Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 133. You've got Chris and Brian, and today we're going to talk about some procedures and habits that we've made a part of our everyday as responsibly armed citizens. Guys, um, I can really nerd out on this subject because this, this to me is, you hear us talk a lot in our podcasts about the idea of, of you know, professionals train to a skill or a tactic or a technique until they can't get it wrong, whereas the amateur practices it until they get it right, but maybe they're not going to be able to do that under duress or uh, on demand, different things of that nature. So these are these are some habits that that are you know tactics, techniques, procedures, etc. Um, that that the procedures that should be habitual, not to sound like Pat Mac, but to sound like Pat Mac. There's you know make it habitual. There are things that you should be doing uh, around the martial end of taking care of your family, being the sheepdog, being the whatever you want to call it, the warrior, uh, or just being the responsibly armed citizen like Brian started off with. Um, you know, the, I, I, I run back to the, the Musashi quote about every time you touch your sword, every time you grab your sword, you should grab it as if you were going to cleave a man in half. Um, usually that's from the neck to the opposite rib cage. Um, you're not going to do that without grabbing the sword properly. Everything starts with that, you know, that perfect one-handed grip on the sword. Um, every single time you touch it, grab it like you're going to do work with it. Um, you know, and that's, that's, a that's kind of a nasty thing to think about when you get around to it. But the reality check is some of these habits, some of these things go back to handling the weapon, um, your weapons, your tools, um, the things that you train with and stuff like that, you know, being in that mindset that if it, you know, every time you touch whatever device it is, that you're putting yourself in a position where you can use it effectively. Um, th- this starts off with something as simple that, that you can even, you know, train your the younger adults, maybe the not old enough to be legally armed citizens in your house, uh, but which just the touch of a firearm in general. Um, you know, what do you do when you walk into a room and you see a firearm laying there? Um, that shouldn't be, that's unattended, that, you know, is errant, is unaccounted for, whatever the case may be, even though that shouldn't happen, the reality check is, we live in a strange world, and teaching your kids, you know, to stop, you know, leave the area, don't touch it, tell an adult kind of thing, or if they're an adult child, or or an, or an adult enough, a teenager who should know how to handle the gun, um, that, you know, the first thing you do, you pick the gun up with your finger not on the trigger, pointing it in a safe direction, depress the mag release and then rack the slide three times and confirm the gun's empty or if it's a revolver you know you pick it up finger off the trigger open the cylinder um you know pop the uh pop the rod a couple times just to make sure you're not missing anything visually and go from there it's that mentality of how you handle the gun when you pick it up does your finger go straight to the trigger bad habit does your finger index high on the slide or index out to the cylinder on the revolver? Just starting off with just the very basics of how you touch a weapon. Uh, when you pick up a knife in a sheath, or not in a sheath, but in a sheath, um, where do your fingers go? Do you put your fingers somewhere on that sheath that if you were to draw the knife, you'd end up letting your own blood hit the ground? Um, that kind of mentality around those habits, when you when you touch the devices that you're going to use at some point to keep you safe, um, you know, doing that with a consistent manner of behavior. Uh, we're going to run through a few of those different things and kind of from a high level. I, I will say with some of this stuff, 
Um, some of the sequences we're going to talk about when we get to this specifically, we'll tell you, hey, go seek training. Go seek the training of a competent individual. Um, and then also with some of this stuff, the, the methodologies that we use are things that work for us that we've trained to that are tried and true. Um, somebody else may use the same technique, but they may use different verbiage. I'm cool with that. Somebody else may use a slightly different technique, and if they can articulate why, then you should you should listen to that. And if it applies to how you're using it or why you're using it, um, then that's cool. If it doesn't, if it's for if it's for application in a world that you don't live in, then you know take that with a grain of salt and move on. It doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means it may not apply to where you're at on a day to day basis. But in general, these are things that are fairly set in stone um, from a high level view. Yeah. Um, you know, loading and unloading a handgun. We just talked about you know how you teach maybe a, you know a younger shooter or a newer shooter to confirm the gun's empty. Um, you know, literally pop the magazine, finger off the trigger, pop the magazine out of the gun, rack it three times, visually inspect the chamber and the magwell, and then tactilely inspect the chamber and the magwell. Why tactilely? You may need to confirm. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's some of these things that, you know, let's say you get down the road to where you're not just unloading the gun. Now we're talking about, you know, the remedial action type malfunction clearance where you need to inspect something and see what's going on and see why the remedial, the immediate action didn't work. Um, we're and, doing this in the dark. Exactly. You're doing this in the dark um, or, or sweaty, bloody, muddy. You've got, you know, sweat in your eyes, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, so understanding how to do some of those things like that. So, you know, again, tactilely confirm uh, and then you're good to go. When you go to load the gun, you know, insert the magazine like you mean it. Um, insert the magazine. We, I, I joke in the shop and I get in trouble for saying this occasionally. Somebody gives me a sideways st stare. Um, if you're running a semi-auto handgun, and I would say the same applies to a semi-auto rifle uh, or a full-auto rifle, either one, um, it, it, it likes to be treated like a redhead. It likes it a little rough. Um, you know, so the reality check is when you insert the magazine, there's nothing gentle about inserting the magazine. Put the mag in, drive it home. Um, you don't, I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the Magnum PI where you, you insert it and hold it with your pinky partially and then take a big swing and smack it in. I don't think that's necessary. Plus it's a lot of wasted motion. Um, it can cause malfunctions, especially on rifles with open bolts. Exactly. Well, and with handguns with worn mags or any XD or XDM ever made. Um, so, you know, be aware of that if the slide's locked back. You know, you don't need to hammer the magazine in there. Um, any chance I get, I'm going to slam on XD. Sorry. Um, but uh, so, you, you know, you don't, you don't need to take that big swing because it's not efficient anyway. And again, that goes back to the habits. What's the most efficient way of doing this? So if you're grabbing that mag, you know, hold it properly, finger indexed on the front or wherever you index your finger, run it to the back of the mag well on the handgun, and then drive it all the way home um, like you mean it. Um, and then from there, you know, either run the slide to the rear or, or hit the, the, the slide release, slide stop, whatever it is you do on your gun. And then if you press check it, press check it, I don't care, that's fine. Um, you know, we'll save that argument for a different day. But the reality check is doing those same things properly and consistently every time you load or unload the gun over and over and over again. Um, unloading the rifle, strip the magazine, lock the bolt to the rear, uh, you know, rack, 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 lock the bolt to the rear, visually inspect, and if you can, tactile inspect. You know, some people, you got big, like big hands like yours, it's hard to stick your finger in the chamber of an AR because that ejection port's made for a 5.56 gun, not orangutan fingers, right? Right. So, you know, I mean, pushing your way through that kind of stuff. Um, and, and then with the rifle, you know, going into the, the, the push, pull, rack roll. So we'll, you know, go back all the way to like the, the Pat Rogers stuff where, you know, you physically put your finger on top of the mag, confirm that the top round is top right, insert the magazine in the gun, um, and then pull and make sure that it's seated. So it doesn't, if it doesn't pull back out, you know, it's properly seated. 
run the charging handle or, you know, the, the charging handle or the, the lever or whatever machine, whatever little device you have on the gun. Um, if it's, uh, if it's a bolt open reload, hit the button. Um, if it's a bolt close reload, run the charging handle, don't care, whatever. Um, but then also, you know, as you're doing that, roll the gun outboard. Some guys preach that because if you're going into a malfunction drill, that's part of the malfunction drill is getting that ejection port so gravity helps you facing down. Um, at the same time, you know, as you're doing all this stuff, once you've done that, then pop the magazine out, touch it, and see if that top bullet is still on the same side or if it moved. If it's a double feed, double stack magazine, confirm that. Um, that'll tell you if you actually chambered around or not or if you did something incorrectly. And then, again, reinsert, push-pull, make sure that it's stuck again and it's not going to fall out for you. Um, you know, like I said, some of these things are, are, are things that we do on a regular basis as we're training and stuff like that, but we don't think about it, it should be something that you don't have to think about. Um, you know, kind of beating this stuff up. If, if the stuff that I'm saying to you right now in this podcast um, are, are like, wow, that's a neat idea. I've never heard of doing that process before. Um, if you view the rifle as a defensive tool, then you should go take a class from a trainer who's going to teach you the proper load sequences. And again, there may be certain things that they disagree with or they say, hey, we do it this way. Um, you know, that's totally cool. It just this is just a way of doing it that's confirmed that has some basis and some confirmation in real world use um, versus something that's flashy that doesn't need to be. There's nothing flashy about loading and unloading your gun, but if it looks like it's a kata or a dance or something that's repetitious or done the same way over time or like almost like it's overdone in how precise you are about it, then maybe you're actually doing it right. So anything to add to those two? Uh with the, the rifle, especially doing the, the check with the pull on the mag is critical, um, especially if you're running fully loaded rifle mags, so 30 rounds in the rifle mag yeah. on a closed bolt. Um, we see malfunctions induced all the time because the mag isn't properly seated. Yep. Yeah. And honestly, I think if you sat, if you went into the training world for rifle training, that's probably going to be either the first or second most common handling malfunction is not confirming the magazine seated. I'd say it's probably in a tie for not chambering around, which is another yeah. mental mistake. Same thing. It's a procedure or a mental mistake. Uh, step up to the line, get a click instead of a bang, or get a bang, but then a click because the mag fell out. Yeah. Um, or if if you're loading the, say you got the gun, closed bolt, yep. empty chamber, uh, put the mag in, it's not fully seated, yep. um, you're, that's when you're not going to load the round off the top of the mag, too. Yep, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, and to, to add to that, um, recent relevant experience uh, when we were doing our Monday night thing, uh, reloaded into the mag, into the mag well while the gun was holstered um, for, safety, for, for safety purposes, right? For safety purposes, um, we're on the line. You got multiple guys training. We run a hot range uh, for some of our training stuff that we do. And you want to put in a topped off mag, you insert it in the gun, tap it in, and go on. Um, you had that happen with a 365 XL. A yep. little bit harder to load a full mag under a loaded bolt than a Glock. I had it happen with a Glock because I thought I'd pressed it in far enough and got a click, and I didn't, um, and did that whole draw the gun, bang, mag falls out. Boy, that's embarrassing. Everybody laughs, ha, 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 ha. Uh, I'm still an idiot, even though it was funny. Um, you know, so some of those procedures, it's, it's not that, you know, we're all not fallible. What we're trying to do is we're trying to overload the sequence of not having a rote procedure so that... It, it, you know, everybody screws up, but let's try and minimize that as much as humanly possible and make sure that we're squared away each time we step to the line. And that was part of this. So, uh, anyway. yeah, I will say in that case, we both immediately went into immediate action. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Solve the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Feed the gun, reload the gun, do whatever you got to do, make the gun work. 
Um, so some of you may ask, what is an immediate action drill? Um, if you're carrying a handgun for defensive use um, and you're not familiar with the concept, an immediate action might be, some guys teach it different ways. They call it malfunction drills, immediate action drills, uh, etc. cetera. Uh, immediate action, you draw the gun, get a click instead of a bang. Um, confirm the magazine's inserted, usually that's a tap. Uh, confirmed around the chamber is not a dud, usually that's a rack. Um, and then assess or bang. Um, tap rack bang means you're going right back on the sights and press the trigger. Tap rack assess means you're tapping the magazine, racking the gun to get the round out of there. Uh, you know, or, or if it wasn't seated, if the slide wasn't closed all the way, the next round will be because you racked it aggressively. Yeah. Um, and you're going to assess the target at that point. And if it needs to shot again, then service the target, you know, lather, rinse, repeat. Um, so that, that's, that's immediate action for us. Remedial action is a little bit different conversation. Uh, we know with a handgun, you're clearing the gun, rack, 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 reloading the handgun and, and going back to the game. Generally, if you rack the gun three times, you're going to clear any round that might be stuck in there. I think it's Clint Smith who says, you know, in like 50 years of doing this, he's never seen a gun, a chamber that wasn't cleared in a handgun, specifically in a handgun, hasn't seen a chamber that wasn't cleared by racking it three times. Um, big boy rules, you know, there's other guys out there who will tell you, you know, you go rack, rack, rack on the first rack, you see the round or the empty case or whatever fly out of the gun. Uh, big boy rules say reload the gun. I don't care which one of those things you choose. Um, the time it takes to, to rack, 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 maybe there was a second round in there. Maybe there was a case stuck in the chamber, but then there was also a loose round off the top of the mag when you ejected it um, because the mag was faulty or something like that, and you saw it fly out. You went back to reload it. still an empty case in the chamber. Now you're screwed. Um, now it becomes... You know, now it becomes another remedial action drill, and that's you know the difference between the two. So, without belaboring the hows, the whys, the wherefores, etc., um, you know, generally the remedial action is you you tried immediate action and it didn't clear the gun, so now you're going to remedial action uh, and going from there. Uh, there are some other things that fall outside of that, like stovepipes, where just swipe it off the gun, push it in a battery, and go on. Um, but again, you'll learn those when you go train with a competent instructor who can teach you the basics, the fundamentals of fighting with the, with a pistol. Um, but understand those things that, that tap rack assess should, should almost be without thought process. Um, on a number of different occasions, uh, primarily via bad ammo, uh, whether it be reloads or cheap ammo or ammo that's gotten wet or something like that, um, you can really tell the difference between somebody who trains a lot and somebody who doesn't. Uh, I've cleared malfunctions in handguns and not even realized that I did it. You know, somebody come back and said, wow, man, you really get, you know, you come up, got the click, went right through the malfunction, and, and they're like, oh, yeah, I guess I did have a malfunction. No big deal. Versus the guy who gets the click and then stops and stares at the top of the slide, like what just happened. So um, with the rifle, the immediate action, remedial action, with the rifle, uh, very similar process without getting deep in the weeds. I'm not even going to go into remedial action because there's a number of different ways to fix that. Um, if you were in the military and you were taught sports um, and you haven't learned a different way to clear a rifle, uh, please Google the name Pat Rogers and sports. Um, you know, Pat, Pat was vehemently against the sports idea um, because it doesn't clear half the malfunctions or more that it's supposed to clear. So, so just bear that in mind, um, you know, and, and again, go seek competent training uh, from somebody here locally or wherever that can teach you how to do remedial action. Immediate action is pretty simple. Rather than, rather than tap rack roll or tap rack assess or tap rack shoot, whatever the case may be, um, it's push pull rack roll. You're going to confirm the magazines inserted in the gun by jamming it in the gun and then trying to rip it out of the gun. If it stays in the gun, rack the gun, roll it to the ejection port down 
uh, as you rack the gun and confirm that you know something falls out of it or whatever, get another live round back in the chamber and make it work. If it doesn't, now we're going into stripping the mag out, locking the gun open, and then assessing what the heck's going on. And with a rifle, I think that requires a little more training than it does with a handgun because you have a significantly more complicated mechanism via gas tubes, gas systems, etc. Um, but, you know, understand that, again, these are all things that it shouldn't be a, oh, wow, I just got a click. Now, what do I do? It should be, wow, there's a click, push, pull, rack, roll. Um, oh, wow, it's still not working. Now, what do I do? You know, rip the mag out, lock it open, figure it out. So, um, and again, the, these are things that we, when we train, we'll, we'll literally, we've done for rifle nights, for malfunction nights, we have literally had a person stand on the line and get handed weapons with malfunction set up for seven to 10 minutes straight. And you literally, you have to shoot a target twice. You've got to put two rounds on a target. So you have to figure out how to get that running gun running for seven minutes straight. Um, it will make your fingers bleed. Um, it will be a little vexing because your buddies tend to do things to you that make malfunctions that probably wouldn't ever happen in the world world happen anyway. Um, and it's really good to learn how to do that. And you're also doing it with you know, the same basic systems, usually it's an AR style gun, but it may not be your gun. So the little cheats you get used to, like running bad levers to lock stuff open um, and different things like that that are super handy on your gun or uh, what's up, the maritime bolt catch and stuff yeah. like that may not be on the gun that we train with. So you, you learn and get ingrained in those procedures until they become habits. Um, I will say that the remedial action on a rifle is something that requires a significant amount of work to make habitual, to make almost without thought because there is a little bit of a decision tree there but having the procedure in your mind having the process and working the process is what's going to get you out of that jam yeah anything to add to the rifle stuff um on the rifle stuff you know all rifles are not created the same yep so learning how to do this on an ar you know doing it on an ak is a little bit different yep doing it on a bullpup like a like a styre like a tavor or a yep. styre something um, you can't see into a little bit different again yep um, so if you've got something that's not an AR, you know, make sure you've got, you know, how to, how to do these things on all of the guns in your inventory and in, in your arsenal. Yeah. And to go full Jen Saki, that's where you circle back to go getting training. Um, you know, go have a competent instructor. If you're running an MP5, have somebody to teach you to lock it open, you know, um, so that you can go do your thing with it. You know, that's back to that training aspect. Um, and, and that's not, um, you know, Uncle Bubba who was, you know, in the NOM, um, you know, not that he doesn't know what he's doing, but he may or may not, and it's been 60 years ago. Um, it's, it's going to somebody who, you know, is recent, relevant, yeah. et cetera, that, that can get you there. Um, yeah. Adding to that, um, you know, a lot of us, the, you know, the, call it the myth is that the 12-gauge pump-action shotgun never jams. False. Um, false. They malfunction all the time. Yep. Uh, so, Make sure you know your immediate action drills and remedial action drills also on your shotgun. Yep. If the shotgun is a critical component to your self-defense or home defense arsenal. Yeah. I mean, if that's the gun you use, know how to do it. Um, a Remington 870 is pretty easy to push through a lot of those things. Um, a, a Mossberg 500-590 has some quirks that you need to know. Um, do not load rounds into the magazine backward in the dark with a Mossberg or you are done. Um, you are taking the gun apart. Just a side note. Um, ask me how I know sometime when you're in the shop. I'll tell you all about it. Sorry, don't mean to pick on you. Um, you know who you are if you're listening. So, um, yeah, but know those things. I mean, if it's, a, if it's like you said, if it's, a, if it's a critical component to your systems, then know how to make those things work. Um, so, you know, that, and that's, that's the weapon into things. It's the same thing with, you know, whatever, whatever other systems you're running, make sure they all work. Make sure you know how to make them work when they choose not to. Um, 
going to go into a, another kind of habitual thing. Um, you know, some guys call it the pocket check. Um, I remember reading some stuff um, around the British SAS and the mentality of them actually teaching their guys. You know, if you carry things, you know, if, if you can't live without it, it should be on a lanyard or something like that or in a closed pocket that, that you have to unbutton or something to get to it. Um, if it's something that you like to have readily available um, and, and as such, and it can't be lanyarded, then you should be checking it on a regular basis. You should have a process as you're doing your ruck, your infill, your exfill, whatever, that you're doing your gear checks and stuff like that. Um, you know, whether, and, and it's just like a tap, it's a pocket tap. It's running yeah. through your pockets. Or, or for the rest of us, this is what you do before you get in your car or truck. In the Absolutely. Morning. Yeah. Same, same idea. Um, or, well, or, or before you walk out the door, you know, whatever the case may be. And that may even be the door to your bedroom. If you're the guy who has the tray O stuff on your dresser, um, it's running through that stuff and making sure you have everything. And maybe even it's a quick function check. Um, if you're, you know, one of those dudes who has, um, just crazy money and you like, you know, sharp things that shoot out the front of the handle and you've got your Troodon or, or, or your other, you know, Microtech ridiculously expensive out the front knife that will stab you in the thigh when you're not paying attention in your pants pocket. Um, you know, check it, hit it, shoot it out the front of the, shoot it out the front. Um, those will gum up. They'll get dirty. Um, if you lube it properly and keep it maintained and cleaned, it won't. But if you take it apart, you might be sending it back to Microtech. Um, plus Microtech screws you and puts those silly little three-sided screws on that you can't take apart anyway. Um, you know, but that's a function check thing. Pick the knife up, run the blade out the front, run it back, put it in your pocket and go on. Um, you know, and, you know, same thing with an auto, you know, an, an assisted opening knife that has a spring, maybe flick it open real quick, close it real quick, you know, make sure there's no bubble gum or, or boogers or anything in there, keeping it from working. Um, flashlight, tap the back of the flashlight. I have, a, I'm really weird about that. I pick up the flashlight and I go to put it in my left rear pocket and I, I hit the back button on the light. Cause that's the one I'm concerned about it working and make sure that it works. Um, grabbing the gun and doing a quick press check, even though it's been in the holster and been in its home. Um, doing a quick press check and then put the holster on and then grabbing the holster and making sure that those metal clips um, that do not want to let go of your belt actually have a hold of your belt um, and go on and from are, there. And are firmly attached to the holster. Exactly. And are firmly attached to the holster. Absolutely. Um, there's a little bit of a tuning fork thing there. Um, I can't think of the name of the kid's musical instrument that has the little spring-loaded things on it that you pick at. Um, but the, kind of the same thing. Now with running some of these discrete concepts, carry concepts, concepts, discrete concept clip, Street carry, carry concepts, things. Clips. There you go. Um, I, 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 say, I do that. I, I have a holster that I run a single tuckable discrete clip. And when I pick the holster up, I hit it with my thumb to make sure that it doesn't move laterally because that would tell me it's loose. Same thing. And with the one I'm running right now, it's a belt clip version of the DCC stuff. Um, and same thing, I kind of pluck it and make sure that it's not moving before I put it on. It takes two seconds, guys. And it's, some of these things are like, they're literally habitual kind of things that you get to a point where you don't even think about the fact that you're doing it and you go on. And I've actually had, you know, one of my kids ask me, Hey, why do you do that? I'm like, Oh, um, and I stop for a second and go, Oh, I'm checking to make sure this isn't loose or whatever's going on with the gun, um, or, or clip on the knife or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, you know, and then, and then the same thing is you're chalking down, um, I run a Boedemann horizontal mag pouch on my belt with a spare mag in it uh, pretty religiously. Um, the reality check is I, I don't, you know, that it's attached to the belt. So the belt comes out and gets hung up. The, and I have those on a couple different belts with the mag in them. I don't take them off the belt. It's there all the time. But if you're running something like maybe you're running a snubby and you've got a speed strip in your pocket, um, if you're right-handed, it should be in your right front pocket. It, uh, it's not an auto. It's a 
revolver. Um, but you know, put in your right front pocket. Well, if you forget and run that through the wash, as one of our local guys says, um, that ammo won't work. Then when you go ahead and put that ammo back in your pocket, because you know, it'll probably work. It's sealed. Maybe it'll work. And when you go to the range and it doesn't, your buddies make fun of you. That's what you get. Um, but don't, don't wash your ammo. You know, it's that kind of mentality. Um, the, the jock down, the jock up, same thing where you put stuff. Um, if you're one of those guys who, you know, you don't have kids in the house or you don't have unauthorized individuals on a regular basis and then leaving the gun on the dressers, you know, where you leave it, what directions it pointed, how's it laying? It should be laying the same way every time. So if you get up in the middle of the night to grab it in your skivvies, um, you're actually grabbing the right end of the gun where you want it and how you do it. I, I can belabor this stuff till the cows come home. Um, but it's that type of habitual stuff that at some point down the road will probably make a difference. Heaven forbid you ever need to use it. Yeah. Um, a, a couple of the things we'll go over real quick. Um, Actually, let me jump yep, in. Please, um, please, please. So as part of the, the jock down procedures, um, now that COVID restrictions and things are lifting, people are flying again. Government buildings have reopened. <laughs> um, Having yep. having a established called the reverse pat down procedure. Yep. Um, before you walk into the airport, and then I recommend doing this again before you get in the TSA line. Um, yes. Check your pockets. Check your ankles. Yep. Check your bags. Check your pockets again. Yep. Uh, especially if you're getting on that like six a.m. flight and you're in line at five o'clock in the morning and you haven't yep. had coffee yet. Yep. Uh, it will save you great deals of embarrassment. Yeah. Potential legal problems yeah. and maybe money and, too, and money too. Yeah, because um, you're going to surrender stuff. Yeah, but uh, have you know have a a, a true system uh, for making sure that you have left all the things you are no longer allowed to have um, in your vehicle, or you have time to put them in a FedEx envelope and send them back to yourself. Absolutely, yes, the true true statement. Um, as somebody who's donated two Spiderco knives. Um, and and one of my favorite, my little uh, oh my gosh, who's the guy? Leatherman, scissors, micro, yeah. multi tool, handiest thing ever. Uh, there's a TSA guy down in Texas who has one of those. You're welcome. Um, there's there's a National Guard um, NCO uh, here from a decade ago who has a spider code because as I was walking up to the line, I realized I had it in my pocket and chucked it to him and said, hey, thanks a bunch. Merry Christmas. Um, you know, be aware of those things. You're going to make a donation and you probably won't get lucky enough to be like my buddy and fly through three airports with a loaded 1911 mag. Um, because I would never be that lucky. Yeah. So he, he is dirty bastard. You know who you are too. Um, so the EDC jock up, jock down, pat down for TSA, etc. Um, one last thing I'm going to throw out there, because again, it's recent and relevant to us. Um, if you're going to use the restroom somewhere, have a procedure, um, Google what to do with my seat, with my concealed carry in the restroom. Um, you know, I don't care, you know, guys say, put it, you know, you drop trowel, put it in your underwear, you drop trowel, put it here, put it there. I don't care, whatever you do, but have the procedure where you do the same thing every time so that you don't leave the gun in, in the restroom and leave it unattended. Um, we kind of laugh about this because we've had, you know, former sheriffs of the county leave their guns in, in you know, Walmart or, or uh, Sam's Club restrooms. And, and, and the reality check is, you know, I've heard from guys who are professionals who are kind of, they kind of grin and go, yeah, it happened once. Um, you know, if it happens a second or a third time, you got to buy lunch for everybody at the shop. We've already gotten into that. Um, have that procedure where you're, you're nailed down. The reason for this isn't to avoid embarrassment or to avoid buying lunch. The reason for this is to avoid an unauthorized individual getting access to that weapon. If you leave your weapon in a public place, uh, and a kid or somebody who's mentally incapable or a bad somebody guy, MS-13. yeah, or a bad guy, you know, f finds that free gun. 
there's a reality check. You know, in the Navy, they say, you know, gear left to drift is a gift kind of mentality. Um, the, you know, best case would be just that somebody took your stuff. Um, the worst case would be that it was a bad guy or somebody innocent got hurt with it, whether it be via negligence or via a bad guy using it. So have that procedure where you do whatever it is you do with it and, and you can't possibly walk away with your gun laying wherever it was. So have a procedure for that. Again, you can Google it. There's a couple different good suggestions online about how to do that. And some of the videos are actually kind of funny. Uh, be aware they're likely none of them are likely safe for work or children. So as you're looking at that. Um, the last procedure I'll talk about, and, I, and, and this one I'm going to cut short because I want you to, again, go seek training. Um, one of the very, very, very few times I'll tell you that maybe the NRA actually does a decent job with this training. I'm not a huge NRA guy right now. Um, I think they overcomplicate some basic things, and, and I think Wayne LaPierre is a douchebag. Um, but either way, the range brief. Go learn how to do a proper range brief. If you are taking new shooters or friends to the range, Go learn how to do a safety brief. Go learn how to assign responsibilities. Go learn how to discuss range limits. Go how to learn how to discuss what concerns may be for that training day based on tactics, techniques, and procedures you're working your way through. If you don't do these things when you're teaching new people, you are doing it wrong and you are creating an unsafe environment. So if you're Uncle Bubba and you're the one who teaches the new family member, the new in-law that just married into the family how to do this stuff, taking them out back with the blaster and hosing up the hillside on the farm, uh, might be good enough in your world. Um, it, it's, it's probably not actually good enough, but we won't get into that. Um, learn how to do a proper range safety brief and be the guy in charge because at some point you may need to teach people how to do this. And if it's an extremist, you surely won't want to have somebody injured if you actually need them for your tribe or team. If it's not an extremist, you will be the idiot behind somebody getting hurt that you probably are close to or care about. So, Learn how to do these things and be prepared for the safety aspects of running a range as well as the cool guy ego aspects of being the guy in charge with the gun. I'm the expert with the gun. I was in the, I was in the uh, Boy Scouts or something. Anyway, so, you know, be prepared for that. Um, it, with that, guys, uh, that's, you know, I'll, I'll, again, leave that to yeah. somebody where you can go and get some depth um, from somebody who's actually done it and understands how to do it. But, again, if you're not starting off that range trip with a range safety brief, you're probably doing it wrong, and quite honestly, if you're not starting that off with some pregame somewhere else before you ever get to the range with unloaded guns, you're probably doing it wrong. So, cool. I'll stop preaching. Yeah. All right. Um, on that note, please follow us along on our social media channels. We're on Facebook and Instagram um, as we get links to things like training, um, resources, stuff like that. Um, that's where they get posted. Um, so give us a follow on there. Um, you may need to change your notification settings or your filter settings um, so that the commies running those platforms uh, actually let you see our content. Uh, <laughs> we also send out an email newsletter once a week. comes out on Fridays. You can sign up for that on our website, capcityoutfitters.com, or send us an email to info at capcityoutfitters.com, and we will happily add you to the newsletter list. On our website, capcityoutfitters.com, you can find valuable information, such as how to do an FFL transfer, or how to purchase a suppressor via our storefront over at silencershop.com. And lastly, we look forward to seeing you at the store. Um, we're here in Hilliard, Ohio, uh, 10 to 5, Tuesday through Saturday. We're at 4465 Cemetery Road. Uh, we're in front of the Aldi's. We're directly next to Louie's Fusion Drill. Um, yeah, if you got questions, you know, looking for training, um, stuff like that, please stop in. We're happy to talk. Make it habitual.